1: There's what Jesus wants from us, and that is initially a response to put your trust in him, but then a continued response to continue to trust Jesus every day of your life. That's not being some religious weirdo. That's just walking in the newness of life that God has given you and rejoicing that your sins have been forgiven. So it's what Jesus has done for us. It's what God wants from us, but it's also what the Lord wants for us. I mean, there's things that he wants for us,
0: And one of the things he wants is he wants healthy marriages. A large part of being a Christian is participating in the life the scriptures lay out for us. This includes the way we talk, the way we react to situations, and the way we depend on God for our daily strength. Pastor Jim shares with us in today's message that God isn't giving us these guidelines to be a dictator over our lives. Instead, we need to remember that God wants great things for us by trusting Him for our daily needs and living in a way that is pleasing to Him, we will discover that we are also being blessed. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter three with part one of his message entitled, Hearts God Sees and Hears, Marriage God's Way. Recently, I was trying to complete
1: a business transaction that we had been working on for a few weeks. It was a very simple transaction. And I was trying to do it with a place that we, our church, has done business with every single week for the last 10 years since we started the church. And I was in the position of the customer and the person that I was dealing with simply would not listen. I knew what it was that we were trying to accomplish. They wouldn't listen by any stretch of the imagination. And so finally I made a special appeal to them. I made appeal based upon our relationship. I said, we've been doing business together every week for over 10 years that should count for something, that should, be, that should help me to, to gain an audience and for me not just to be turned away, you should be willing to listen to me. Well fortunately a coworker overheard and intervened and told uh, more than one person that I was correct, it doesn't matter who was right or wrong, it just needed to be resolved and the issue was resolved, hard hearts were softened and the deal was done. Now, we are here, and we're going verse by verse, line by line, through the epistle, through the letter of 1 Peter, and we started in chapter 1, verse 1, so now we're up to chapter 3, verse 3. And if you're not familiar, where you haven't been with us here, it's written by the Apostle Peter. And it's a letter, sometimes it's called an epistle or a book. And it's a letter to churches in the area of Turkey, which is part of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was not a, a godly empire, not, not too friendly to Christians, uh, particularly in the first century. But when we read the Bible, there's something that we have to remember because there's certain things that we don't know. It's hard to know when you read a letter of the Bible what teaching a particular group of churches reading it has already had, which apostles have been through, how long they were there for. So we don't know what was the teaching that this group of people already heard, nor do we know the questions that they have been asking. Perhaps they wrote a letter to the apostles and they said, well, what about, we understand this and that and that, but what about this and what about this and what about this? Because sometimes the Bible writers seem very random as they move from topic to topic, but it could be in answer to questions that they had received from the recipients. We are in one of the more difficult sections of 1 Peter. It's what we would call the submission section. And that's a word that's used in the Bible fairly often that I believe is terribly misunderstood in our culture and also terribly misunderstood in our churches. We cannot let the abuse of something define what it is. We have to back out of a word that is abusive. We have to say what it's not. And then we have to somehow come to some idea of what it is and what it means. So before you turn me off completely, you're like, Submission, I'm done, I'm out of here. The ushers will now lock the door. No, they won't do that, okay? You say, I'm done, I'm out of here. If you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, I want to appeal to you to listen to what the Bible has to say now on the basis of your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's my appeal to you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to appeal to you to listen on the basis of that relationship. Now, if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I could not be more thrilled that you're here today and you say, well, you just was telling everybody how tough this is going to be. You should be here for the tough stuff. You, you should know on the front end some of the things that God has to say. And this is what Christianity is about. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ and relationships always come with obligations, don't they? They always come with obligations, and so these are some of the things that God would want to talk to us about. So I want you to think these things through. If you will, I I try to do when I come to a Bible passage, believe it or not, I try to come and take the position of an agnostic. Instead of coming and saying, I don't believe, or coming and saying, well, I've spent all these years of studying the Bible, I come and say, you know what, Lord, I want to put aside everything I know, and I want you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, I want you to Teach me what the Bible is saying, therefore what you are saying, because we call it the Word of God. Now this section that we're in began in chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, next page over, verse 13. Now remember we've said before that the chapter divisions in the verses were put in later by people, and they're helpful for us to find where we are in the Bible, since a lot of our Bibles have different page numbers, because they have different, you know, different things and highlights and stuff like that in the Bible. But sometimes the chapter divisions throw us off a little, and the submission section begins in chapter 2 verse 13. So let's back up there because we need to put a little bit of groundwork in before we get into this section on submission because it's such a hot topic. This section again begins 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 13 where he says, "Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake." What is he saying? Do what I'm about to say because of your relationship with Jesus. Remember we said that Peter uses the word Lord and Jesus interchangeable. What I'm about to tell you, you're doing this. He is appealing to their relationship with Jesus. And then he went on and he said to them that we as Christians who have a relationship with Jesus are to be submissive citizens. We are to be submissive citizens. And we titled that message that day, God's People Are Different. In the next section where we were, we moved into a section where he talked about slaves and masters. Remember we talked about how not all slaves were cruelly treated like they were in the United States of America when we had slavery. There was a large part of it was a cooperative employment agreement. And he said to them that they are to be submissive employees. And we talked about that. And the title of that message was, An Attitude God Loves. Now we have to back up to that again because he is building an argument on what he is about to tell us today. Look at chapter 2, verse 21. For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us. So sometimes God's going to ask us to suffer. Americans, we hate to suffer, right? One little thing, where's the Advil, right? But we hate to suffer, but we fellowship with God often in our suffering, Okay, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should, notice this, follow his steps. So sometimes our suffering is part of our following in Jesus' steps. Let's jump down to verse 23. And he's quoting from Isaiah 53, written hundreds of years before Jesus lived, who, when he, Jesus, was reviled, did not revile in return, reviled to, to yell at people and stuff like that. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. What did he do? He entrusted himself to his heavenly father. We talked about this last week. He entrusted even the people who were abusing him to his heavenly father. Why? Based on his relationship With the Father. That's why he did it. Okay, let's continue. We'll just read it out here. Verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That's the cross. That's what Jesus did so we could be forgiven. That we, having died to sins, we don't just get our sins forgiven when we trust in Jesus, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Okay, so we're done with chapter two now, right? So Peter has taken us from, in chapter one, he was telling us who we are, the great riches we have as Christians in Jesus Christ, all that Jesus has done for us. And then what did he do? Then he moved us out into the public arena. And And God said, I want my people to be seen as good citizens. That's something that's important. Now, if the law tells us to do something against God's word, we don't do it, but we are to be good citizens. And then he moves us into the area of where we work. And he says, in your job, I want for my people to do what their boss says to do. I want my people to be good workers. So the boss and the coworkers, everybody looks at us and says, boy, you know, that Christian, they they really are hard workers. Now he comes into our homes. Now why would the Bible come into our homes? Do you know why? Because the Bible is a very nosy book. It's very nosy. Remember, we often say, we don't just read our Bibles, but our Bible reads us, and so God leaves no stone unturned, and he wants to come in, and he wants to have a few words with us with about a very, very serious subject, and it happens to be marriage. Now, if you're not married, there's stuff for you here today. If you were married and you feel like, oh, no, I don't even want to think about that, I, I do understand that, I appreciate that in some sense, but, but maybe we need to, God will use you in giving advice or helping other people in the future with such things. So, look what he says, chapter 3, verse 1, the verse that gets all kinds of bad press, makes a lot of people hate Christianity, and we're not even going to fully do it yet, but look at this. He says, chapter 3, verse 1, Wives likewise. Some versions say wives in the same manner. So he's going to give the wives a command to do something. Jump down to verse 7. Husbands, likewise. Some versions say husbands in the same manner. What is he talking about? He's continuing his rational thinking from chapter 2 when he says, I'm asking you to do this for the Lord's sake. I'm telling you to do this because of your relationship with Jesus and I'm telling you to do this because this is how you follow in Jesus' steps. That following in Jesus' steps at times is going to require suffering, at times when you have, you know, you can mouth off to people, you're not gonna be able to do it and at times you're gonna give yourself up for others for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ and so, Then he says in the middle of verse 7, he tells us why. He says to the husband and wife as being heirs together of the grace of life. Heirs together. What is he saying? Because husband and wife, you both stand before God as equals. That's why you have to get what I'm about to say because it's going to seem at points maybe it's not true. But your heirs together, some Bible versions say joint heirs, that you stand before God as equals as husband and wife. Jay Adams, that has written a lot of books on biblical counseling, he calls marriage based from, from the book of Genesis a, Genesis a covenant of companionship. But sometimes the companions fight, right? Sometimes the partners argue. Now, When you teach through the Bible verse by verse, you should not skip the hard parts. Some people do. They just read over it, and they're like, you know, wife, behave yourself. Husband, be nice. Next verse. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's often in the hard parts where real change happens. When somebody loves us enough to have those difficult conversations with us as the Lord does, Another nice part about going verse by verse is you cannot blame me for the agenda. <laughs> so if you don't like what I say, I can already tell you, it happens a lot. People go, I don't like what you said there, Pastor Jim. And I always say, do you feel that I accurately represented what the Bible said? And they go, oh yes, yes, yes. I go, you're talking to the wrong guy then. <laughs> right? So you can't blame me for what were the subject matter here. That wouldn't be right. Now, I thought about one of the challenging thing sometimes is, how do you pick a title of a message? And I thought I could just pick some cheesy marriage title, but then I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of people here who aren't married, so what would they think about it? So the title of our message is, well, and a lot of, a lot of marriage issues, if you're married, you know this, they're heart issues, right? People wanting their own way, people fighting for things, and people not being loving. Marriage is a creation ordinance. God gave it to us, so it's very, very important. So rather than just give it some again some cheesy marriage title Uh, the name of the the title of the message is is hearts God sees and hears hearts God sees and hears so even if you're not married there's some heart issues here about some of the things that God wants to teach us Uh, subtitle if you like subtitles cheesy subtitle marriage God's way so there if you want both you got you got both we said that the apostles, not surprisingly, were great preachers. Preaching tends to do one or the other. It tends to either be kind of really guilt-based or it tends to be kind of really flowery. Everything's fine. It's wonderful. And if you're really going to be accurate to teaching the Bible, you have to hold the tension, not the kind of tension that marriages have, like there's tension in the marriage. No, real tension is they it's sort of balancing each other out and they're walking together and so the apostles were great preachers that all the commands of the Bible are attached to the gospel. If you don't know what the gospel is, it's, it's kind of simple. Just think of it this way. Uh, just think of it, uh, God, man, Jesus, you. How's that? Okay, so God creates the world, tells mankind what to do. Mankind says, forget it. I'm done. There's God, creator. There's man. I'll do my own thing. Jesus comes. God becomes a man, lives a perfect life guy's in our place for our sins, and then you. You can respond in faith and be forgiven and have eternal life, or you could just say, you know what, I'm going to still stay my own guy, and then God does not owe you the forgiveness of sins because your sins haven't been given to Jesus. So they tie all the commands, be submissive to the government, be submissive to your boss, and then what does he do? Then he tells us, for he did not revile for he did not lash out. He tells us about the Christ of the cross who bore our sins. And so, submission is a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue. Now, there's a gospel tension that we all have to keep. There's what Jesus has done for us on the cross, right? There's what Jesus wants from us And that is initially a response to put your trust in him, but then a continued response to continue to trust Jesus every day of your life. That's not being some religious weirdo. That's just walking in the newness of life that God has given you and rejoicing that your sins have been forgiven. So it's what Jesus has done for us. It's what God wants from us, but it's also what the Lord wants for us. I mean, there's things that he wants for us, and one of the things he wants is he wants healthy marriages. And we'll talk about some of those reasons today. So this is important if you're married. If you're married, this is important. This is important to you if, you if you plan to be married someday or you hope to be married someday. This is helpful for you if you know somebody who's married or you were married and you want to encourage somebody who is married. Now, if none of those categories fit you, you need to get out of the house more. Because that should be for everybody. (laughs) Marriage is in a terrible way today. And maybe it's because of so many years of misunderstanding what God said about it and the complete disregard that people have, even in churches, for the Word of God. We've laid as much groundwork as I could without you guys stoning me. So here we go. If you're taking notes, two things we want to really focus in on today. Number one, if you have those annoying, you know, I have, a, you know me, I have these love relationships. You spend so much time in the Bible, it just makes you nuts. And so I have these, these love-hate relationships with some of those little headings they put, which God never put in. And so this one, the, the one here most of your Bible says, Submission to Husbands. Right, translation, ladies, skip over the section in your Bible reading, come back to it next year. Okay, so <laughs> we're not going to use that one. Here's our heading, Godly Wives. Godly Wives. Because a lot of our understanding of submission comes from our culture's understanding of submission. So, wives, verse 1, wives, likewise, basically in the same way as Jesus, the kind of spouse Jesus would be, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, if you took that word out and put another word in, like respect, loving, godly, you'd have a very different approach to this passage. Be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, now that usually has to do within the Bible when someone doesn't believe at all, but it could be a wife who has a husband who is a believer, he's just not not following. He's just not following. Okay, that even if some do not obey the word, they, the husbands, without a word, may be one, that typically means to faith in Jesus Christ or back to following the Lord, by the conduct of, Man, you might want to underline that word, conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste, some versions say respectful, conduct accompanied by fear. Now remember we said that context really rules a lot of different things in Bible understanding and in 1 Peter the word fear is connected to fear of God. So this is a situation where the wife is living for the Lord and the husband is sort of like a spectator. He's kind of watching the way she's living. Now, I want to, again, the meaning of the word really means a lot. I want to quote to you one of the worst theologians of the modern era. Some of you have been here a while, you go, this is probably not a serious theologian. How many of you know who Loki is? Loki is a character from the Avengers. These people are like, is he going to be like, movies are sinful? Oh, what's the deal with that, right? Okay, I've seen the Avengers so many times. I love that scene, right? Loki's just a jerk. The old guy stands up and goes, there'll always be men like you, right? <laughs> it's great, man. <laughs> and uh, who's the guy in the suit? Iron Man. He comes flying in. The rock and roll's playing. All right, next thing we got to go. Don't count that against my time. Don't count that against my time. So Loki said this, people long to be subjugated. That's what he said. You humans, you long after he knocked everybody down, he said, "You humans long to be subjugated." What does that mean? You long to be conquered. You long to be completely controlled. Now, that's what a lot of people think that the Bible means that a wife is supposed to be submissive to her husband. Let's logically think about that. If that's what God means by submission, then the Bible is teaching, because what does the Bible teach us? That we're supposed to be kind and loving and caring? Now then here the Bible is teaching, wives, help your husband to sin. I want you to help your husband to be Loki. <laughs> I want your husband to completely stomp on who you have, I've created you to be. All your giftings, all your talents that I want you to express for the kingdom of God, I want your husband to stomp on him so you know who's the boss. Does that sound like God to you? Does that, seem, does that sound like Jesus to you? Does that, does, that, does that seem right to you? Maybe someday, some guy is gonna, gonna come up to me and you know I only have one daughter and he's gonna say to me, I would like to marry your only daughter. And I'm not going to say to him, only if you promise to treat her poorly. That's not what I'm going to say. What am I going to say? I have a gun. (laughs) And he'll never know I don't unless you tell him. (laughs) See, we must be very careful that we're not using other people's definition of the word submission, but we're using God's definition. So when people come to you to talk about the faith, and they ask you certain questions, you have to say to them, what do you mean by that word? Can you unpack that word for me as you understand it? So if they say, did you believe that a wife should submit to her husband? You're a good Christian. So of course you do. It's in the Bible, right? But you're not, you're not serving your friend well. You have to say to them, what do you mean by that word? And if they're like, well, that means that the husband goes loki on him, right? You say, no, that's not, that's not what I believe at all. See, submission in the Bible has to do with authority, citizens to the government employees to bosses it has to do with leadership but in the world's mind submission has to do with cruelty now bible students you know this that jesus christ god become a man emmanuel and his heavenly father we say are co-equal and co-eternal they are equal yet Jesus lived in submission to his heavenly father. So what is it? It's a role issue. It's not a value of
0: personhood. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of 1 Peter is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember friends, we are here to serve you and to help you, so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the Kingdom of God works and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you, too, will be changed by His love.